You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, Internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Most writers and radio show hosts know that to connect with your fans, you need to do more than just write books or record the latest podcasts. There are many different elements that go into forming an online platform, but there are also many hidden traps. To make matters worse, solid advice on how to survive the muddy waters is scarce. In the book Hidden Traps, I talk about some of the important issues of working with an online platform, highlighting traps that could put your physical or internet security at risk, or be harmful to your reputation. Are your social media posts just links with a few disjointed words making you look like someone who can't complete a sentence? Did your new website cost you more than you anticipated? Are you leaking your personal contact details across the web without even knowing it? Then you need Hidden Traps. Hidden Traps is now available in paperback and ebook from a variety of retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Visit blackwolfpublications.com for more details. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-553-8687. That's 800-553-8687. Again, 800-553-8687. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-783-0810 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-783-0810. Again, that's 800-783-0810. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq, Grantham University. 
Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree, too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is. If getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. You'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now. 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible. Affordable. Relevant. Call 800-910-1370. Sometimes riders feel lost, unsure why a passage may not be working. It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing into full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable writers to develop and grow, offering manuscript critiques and line edits through a mentoring editorial style. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's bio for your websites. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services, visit blackwolfeditorial.com. The world around us is an amazing place filled with beauty and with science. But let's face it, sometimes science can be so confusing that it takes a PhD to understand it. Well, you're in luck. I just happen to have a PhD. Come and take a seat. Perhaps I can explain the world around us in a way we all can understand. Welcome to Conversations in Science. I'm Dr. Judy L. Moore. Call me Doc. This episode of Conversations in Science contains some material that might not be suitable for younger audiences. Parental guidance is advised. The world around us is an amazing place filled with beauty and with science. But let's face it. Sometimes the science can be so confusing that it takes a PhD to understand it. Well, you're in luck. I just happen to have a PhD. Come and take a seat. Perhaps I can explain the world around us in a way we all can understand. Welcome to Conversations in Science. I'm Dr. Judy L. Moore. Call me Doc. Hi, guys, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Conversations in Science. I am Dr. Judy Elmore, and as my intro says, I do have a PhD. So, if you're new to the show, the way it works is that I sit down and try to figure out how to explain some things in a way that everybody can understand, but I have a little help to do this. My producer, Jesse Sanders. Say hi, Jess. What's up, Doc? Hi. Well, Jesse's around to make sure that I don't go too technobabble because let's face it, sometimes scientists do. So, Jess, today I wanted to talk about something that came across my news feeds about last week. And it was such a clickbait thing, such a rabbit hole I had to look. What would you say if I told you that some scientists in the UK want to dim? the sun what doc dim the sun what are we gonna do launch the world's largest pair of sunglasses into space 
no, not at the moment, no. But what they want to do is probably similar, but probably a lot more devastating in some respects. Okay, let me set the field. Because when I saw this dimming the sun thing, I'm sorry, I looked at it and went, huh, what? Because the things that went through my mind was how, you know, the sunscreen that, you know, the sunglasses. And then, of course, the things that went through my son's mind were things like, we're going to inject uh, some sort of nuclear bomb or something into the sun and change its rates. And like, how can you dim the sun? It doesn't make any sense. Are we going to phone up Siri and go, hey, Siri, it's a bit too bright out there. Turn the sun down. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> hey, Doc, I don't think the sun came with a dimmer switch. And I don't think we're meant to mess with it. <laughs> no, I don't think we are either. So I had to look. I had to honestly read these articles because it was just didn't make any sense. And as I started reading through it, I started to understand what it was they were trying to do and went, alarm bells. This is not a good thing. Professor John, uh, James Crabb at the University of Bedfordshire in UK is a world-renowned scientist, recognized leading expert in his field, and has done all these models about global warming and all these bits and pieces, and has worked out a solution on how we can decrease global temperature. Now, before okay. I go and tell you what that solution is, I want to tell you what his field is. He is an expert on coral reefs. Oh, I love coral reefs. In fact, when I used to scuba dive all the time, it was a gr- they were great fun to look at and watch the fish and think various other creatures you'd find around them. I love coral reefs. They're cool. They are. They're really cool. And coral reefs are actually very important. And I think most people around the world will be happy to accept if I say that coral reefs are dying, I think they're happy to accept they understand that and we need to do something about it. Coral reefs are incredibly important to our environment. You have, like you said, lots of fish and and various different other plant life, marine plant life that's there. And Lots of economy comes into those regions because they're, you know, the scuba diving and all that. And people just want to look at the the fish. Then you've got the areas that are um, coastal areas bordering those coral reef regions that their livelihood is based on that. They they get a lot of food. They do fishing in right. that regions. I mean, I've even and, heard and, of U.S. Navy vessels being sunk intentionally when they were no longer of any use and had been stripped down to basically their hulk to form an artificial reef. Yeah, so you can create those artificial environments for the fish and the plant life to adhere to and hopefully survive. And that's part of the reason why they're doing it. Coral reefs are needed to... Uh, stop coastal regions from eroding away as well. Um, They create a natural barrier for the waves. So the waves don't get so strong. It sort of breaks the waves up a little bit. And so if you've got extreme weather like monsoons and hurricanes and and things like that, on the coastal side, it will help. It doesn't do much about in the air side, but from the actual water perspective, it breaks up the waves. So it can protect the erosion side of things and, and protect beachfront properties. That sounds like a good it sounds thing. Like a, yeah. 
it is a good thing to try to save these coral reefs. Basically, what's happening and why the coral reefs are dying is climate change and global warming. It sounds horrible, but that's basically what it is. Okay. Remember, well, we've talked we were about talking, climate change. Yeah, we've talked about climate change some time ago, and we were basically saying that basically climate change is where you have the environment or the climate of a local region is changing and is no longer suitable for whatever's there naturally, and things are dying there. If they don't adapt and change, they will die, and the coral reefs are not coping with the changes in their environment. You have an increase in surface temperature. The the global surface temperature is increasing, and we know this. We can measure it. Why it's happening is is the debate. That's why we have these debates in the first place. But there, it is recognized that we are definitely having an increase in global temperature, hence the global warming. But one of the other things that's going on is that the oceans are becoming more acidic. The oceans will absorb carbon dioxide out of the air. Okay, That's we've talked part about of their that. function. Yeah, we've sp- about the oceans that are a sponge; well. they soak it all up. Yep, they do, and they've hit saturation point. They can't take any more. They really can't. And so, what's happening is that the oceans are becoming more acidic. They're becoming warmer, and the coral reefs are not coping. They can't cope because they're not as adaptable as human beings are, and with the coral reefs dying, the marine life is dying. And it's just, it's this endless cycle within the marine life. So you have scientists such as Professor James Crabb at the University of Bedfordshire in the UK that are very concerned and focusing on strategies on how we can save the coral reefs. Right, coming back to dimming the sun. Well, I want to save the coral reefs, but I don't want to hurt the planet in the process. Let's come back to the dimming of the sun. What Professor James Crabb has proposed is that we eject sulfates into the atmosphere. Wait a minute. We've sulfates as in on multiple times. Sulfates as in sulfuric acid and stinky sulfur gas and rotten egg smell? <laughs> in a roundabout way? Yeah. Yeah. Yuck, I mean, it's duck. not. I mean, the sulfates that he's talking about in particular are actually stable in the sense of that they're not going to break down like some forms will, and so it's probably not going to give us as much as us acid rain as some areas. But you can't totally negate that process. You are still going to get a little bit of acid rain. Not to mention the um, rotten egg smell and the yucky yellow color. <laughs> Well, that's just pure sulfur. So we won't go there. (laughs) Okay. The reason why he's suggesting the sulfates is because we've spoken about this on, on a previous episode before, that greenhouse gases are the gases that will absorb the radiation from, say, the sun, and they will eject it in some other form of radiation, typically in the form of heat. And so, like carbon dioxide, oxygen, ozone, methane, um, there's quite a few different, uh, even water. They are water as well as a greenhouse gas. And they, so they absorb the UV radiation from the sun 
and then they convert it into heat, warming up our atmosphere. And without greenhouse gases in our atmosphere, we would freeze to death. We need them. I Without the greenhouse gases, I think the average temperature would be something like in the order of minus 18 degrees Celsius. Okay, that's just too cold on any scale, Doc. When you get to the (laughs) negatives, uh, I need more than my heater and my hot water bottle. Uh, Yeah, we need lots more. We We would freeze. So we need greenhouse gases. But the thing is, is we have too many. We've got too many greenhouse gases up there. Okay, but sulfates, on the other hand, are not a greenhouse gas. They go the other way. They actually reflect the radiation. They don't absorb it. Okay, so what if radiation would come in from the sun? Okay, would go back out into space, and we would get a global cooling effect instead. There's got to be a better way to cool down the Earth besides making it smell like rotten eggs, duck. That just sounds like the good idea, fairy. Smell like rotten eggs, Jess. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know the sulfur is always connected to that rotten egg smell, but it's not going to smell like rotten eggs. Trust me. There's some other issues that we're going to have to think about if if they did this, but it wouldn't smell like rotten eggs. I can tell you that now. Okay. So what would we be dealing with if it wasn't rotten eggs? Okay. If we flip it through with the sulfates. We have, you'd have to deal with acid rain, and we know this one from having to deal with volcanic activity. When volcanic activity is erupted, you got those eruptions, we do get sulfates ejected into the atmosphere. It's a natural injection process. Okay, so we do get acid rain coming from those. But in 2009, uh, MIT released a report that was talking about this very same idea, ejecting sulfates into the atmosphere to combat global warming. Okay, so this idea is not new. This idea is nowhere near new. This idea has been around for at least 10 years. It's been around for a very long time. I mean, there's there's papers that go back 2004 talking about this. So this idea has been around for a very long time, but they've discounted this idea already. Can we let it go? Um. Basically, you'd have to deal with acid rain. That's Ejecting bad. any form of aerosol into the atmosphere could potentially break down ozone even further. We, again, we've spoken about this on a previous episode as well. For, as a reminder, for those who don't recall or for those that didn't hear that episode, ozone is like the Earth's natural sunscreen. It You have three different forms of radiation or three different bandwidths of UV radiation that come from the sun. And you have UVA, UVB, and UVC. UVC is completely blocked out. We get no UVC at all on the Earth's Earth's surface. And that is the most deadliest form of UV radiation. That's it. We'd be completely toast. Well, then it's a good thing we don't get any of it. So what about A and B? Because I know my sunglasses have a little label when I bought them that said protects against UVA and UVB. Exactly. But UVA, so we get a small portion of UVB coming through. And UVB is the one that's connected to skin cancer. That's not good stuff. UVA, that's not good stuff. UVA, majority of it comes through. And that stuff is basically connected to our um, 
it's it's connected to our vitamin D um, production. We need UVB, and and we need the higher um, the some of the UVA, so we can get vitamin D, and we need vitamin D in our body so we can metabolize calcium. It's all necessary. We all need it. Yeah, well, it's already been proven. But, I live like a vampire duck. <laughs> yeah, we don't go there. But if you break down UV, the ozone, then you're going to get more UVB radiation coming into the Earth's atmosphere than what we already have. And you're going to get an increased chance of cancer and burning, dying life. Because even the plants can't cope with that much UVB. They can only take so much before they toast and turn to crisp. There's only so much they can take. Okay, so this... So if you just please, Yep. This idea of launching sulfur into the atmosphere sounds like what me and my military friends call the good idea fairy. It's a bad idea, idea in disguise. Yeah. Here's the other issue. It is global cooling that sulfates will create, but it doesn't solve the problem. The problem of that we've got with the coral reefs is the amount of carbon emission that we're making. It's the increase in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It's the increase in methane. It's the increase in greenhouse gases. If you have a gas that's being injected into the atmosphere that is cooling the atmosphere, then what's going to happen is you're going to go, we don't have global warming. We don't have a problem. Why do we need to do this? Why do we need to stop burning our carbon, our our fossil fuels? Why do we need to change our car from petrol to get into electric? Why do we need to do that? Because if we've got a global cooling, why why is global warming even an issue? You're not I, negating the problem, right? I'm just moving it now. Personally, I love my fossil fuel consuming vehicle. Thank you very much. If they can make the electric car reasonable, responsive, and go for a decent distance, then I'm willing to consider it. Now, I know my husband's car is what they call a hybrid, and it has it it gets far better gas mileage than mine, but but it has an electric thing that that gets charged by the gas motor, but it uses far less gas. I will say that, except on road trips, my gas guzzling yeah. van will get better gas mileage than his car on a road trip. Oh, I wish. No, we've got, I'm sorry, I do have my petrol car and I still have my, I like my petrol car. I like my little beastie truck. But, you know, if you make a a unit, you make a device that is going to work and it's going to be easy to charge, it's going to be cost effective and that's the biggest thing at the moment is that it's got to be cost effective if it's not cost effective people won't do it so you look at all of these sorts of things and and there are strategies out there that are coming into play that we're starting to look at into more things but this sulfate idea is just it's going from bad to worse to worse and i just we discounted it years ago. Why are we still looking at it? I don't understand. Now, you mentioned yes. one other side effect off air. What were the other side effects on the mammals? Oh, yes. Well, okay. Anything that you inject into the atmosphere is going to go into our water supply. Yes? 
So we're talking about, it's because of the way the water cycle works. Okay. You have this. It all ends up in the water at some point and on some level. At some point. And and I think, and I think we'll come back and we'll talk about the water cycle in, in a sec. But basically in 2004, they did some research on what effect it would have, what effect an increase in amount of sulfates in the water supply would have on the human population and on mammals. And they did this in Canada because they were using more and more sulfur, um, sulfate-based um, insecticides and herbicides. And they wanted to know what effect it was having on the population. And they found, <laughs> get this, they found that an increased amount of sulfates in the water supply increased a level of catharsis in the human male population. In other words, the human male population was just feeling a little more emotional than what they should have normally been. And Oh, that's bad. It also... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's bad. Um, we and it also hot added... Hot drinking pajama boy snowflakes in this country already. We don't need any more. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, yeah. It also induced diarrhea across all mammals, not just humans, but the cows, the cats, the dogs, the pig. Uh, Host Kitty has a comment on that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, this idea, (laughs) yeah, this idea of sulfur added sulfates into our water supply, you're going to create a population that is over-emotional and can't go very far from a toilet. Oh, so this would be the most common sound heard. (laughs) And that in itself is going to cause issues because wastewater treatment plants can only cope with so much. Not to mention, people already think the line at the restroom at the local sporting events are too long anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, the whole thing. The whole thing just sounds ludicrous, Doc. Yep, that it does. Right. Yes. I know you're the one that normally looks at the time, but I'm looking at the time. Yeah, we Don't have... Don't we need to pay those bills? Yeah, we do. It's about that time, Doc. We're right about where we can pay those bills. So why don't we take that wonderful commercial break and we'll see you on the other side and then we can talk about whatever else you have in store. Okay. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life. And listen for the spark. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Most writers and radio show hosts know that to connect with your fans, you need to do more than just write books or record the latest podcasts. There are many different elements that go into forming an online platform, but there are also many hidden traps. To make matters worse, solid advice on how to survive the muddy waters is scarce. In the book Hidden Traps, I talk about some of the important issues of working with an online platform, highlighting traps that could put your physical or internet security at risk, 
or be harmful to your reputation. Are your social media posts just links with a few disjointed words making you look like someone who can't complete a sentence? Did your new website cost you more than you anticipated? Are you leaking your personal contact details across the web without even knowing it? Then you need Hidden Traps. Hidden Traps is now available in paperback and ebook from a variety of retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Visit blackwolfpublications.com for more details. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-553-8687. That's 800-553-8687. Again, 800-553-8687. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-783-0810 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-783-0810. Again, that's 800-783-0810. My son was in the Army back during Desert Storm, but even then he wanted an MBA. He looked at a dozen schools, but only one offered the online education and flexibility he needed while he was in a tent in Iraq, Grantham University. Turns out that Grantham's been delivering affordable, relevant college and advanced degrees for over 65 years. Heck, if they can deliver a quality education to a soldier in a tent overseas, think about the flexibility Grantham can offer you so you can earn your degree too. It doesn't matter how complicated or full your life is. If getting a degree is on your bucket list, you'll want to do what my son did. You'll want to call Grantham. Find out how easy it is to get started on your education so you can check that college degree off your bucket list. Call Grantham right now. 800-910-1370. That's 800-910-1370. Flexible. Affordable. Relevant. Call 800-910-1370. Sometimes riders feel lost, unsure why a passage may not be working. 
It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing into full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable writers to develop and grow, offering manuscript critiques and line edits through a mentoring editorial style. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's bio for your websites. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services, visit blackwolfeditorial.com. Welcome back, guys, and I hope you are... Hmm, I don't know, maybe you've enjoyed the toilet flush that you might have had to do because you probably did have a quick break. Oh dear, yeah. We were talking before the break about some of the effects that sulfates could have in the atmosphere if we injected sulfates to combat some of these issues that we've got about global warming. Wow. Jess? Yeah, Doc? We know that sulfates, if we did inject sulfates into the atmosphere, we know for a certain fact that they will have a global cooling effect. Just after World War II, it turns out that we actually had a significant amount of sulfates injected into the atmosphere. Because just after World War II, you had a sudden production of insecticides or herbicides or all these different things that were all sulfate-based industrial systems injecting up into the atmosphere. So we know, and we actually have, you look at the temperature record around that time frame, just shortly after World War II, we did have a dip in the temperature rise. So we did have a global cooling. So we know that this would work from a global cooling perspective, but is it going to be long-term? Is it going to be a good idea in the long run? I don't think so. No it offense. sounds like the good idea yeah, fairy. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Uh, as you said, it's the good idea fairy that's gone bad and probably needs to be shot. <laughs> I, I can Not see. A good I idea. can deal with that one, Doc. I can deal with that one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Overly emotional bathroom trapped males. Uh, yeah, no. Let's not go there, folks. <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> Let's please not go there. I mean... I don't know about you, but it's bad enough as it is in this house. We've only got one toilet, two teenagers, and one toilet. Yeah, it's never a good thing. And I share a toilet with most kitty. Yeah, she does actually, by the way, guys. I mean, I've actually seen a video of host kitty using the toilet. Oh, my God. Your your cat's toilet trained. Yes, he is. Hey, it saves me from cleaning a litter box, folks. Which, that's my way of helping the environment. I'm not throwing extra stuff into the trash. I'm not throwing kitty litter in the trash. Because host kitty uses the toilet. Yeah, okay. So, anything that we inject into the atmosphere is going to find our water supply eventually. The way the water cycle works, for those of you who don't know, basically what happens is that our oceans get heated up or the water or various different large bodies of water, lakes, oceans, they get heated up by the sun and the top layers of water will evaporate. You'll get all of that just sort of evaporates and goes up into the atmosphere. It accumulates and it forms clouds. Because that's basically what a cloud is. It's just a giant amount of water It's basically a a huge sponge in the sky that holds water vapor. Right, Doc? Yeah. That's it. It's just an accumulation of water vapor. And it eventually gets to the point where that cloud can't hold anymore. I mean, that's why the clouds go gray, because they've got so much water that they're holding on to 
And then eventually they go and get rid of it and rain. They don't like it. Yeah, we won't think about acid rain at the moment, but you know, they basically just drop their water wherever they happen to go. And, and we really, ideally, we want that water to go into the reservoirs rather than just random anywhere. But, you know, sometimes we can't control these things. So we just hope for the best. And it will eventually find its way into our drinking water. It'll find it into the groundwater. It'll, it'll go all the way down into the soils and and bits and pieces, and we will eventually find ourselves drinking whatever is there. That is the water cycle. That's the way it works. Yeah. Do we I, want I don't want to sulfur? be drinking sulfuric acid. Sorry, Doc. No, no, I don't want to be drinking sulfuric acid. And, but and one thing I should probably stress right now, though, is that just because we are injecting sulfates into the atmosphere does not mean we will get acid rain. It does not mean we will get... Um, acid in our drinking water. It, it doesn't always break down. Depending on what form of sulfate they're using, there are some forms of sulfate which are molecularly stronger. They've got a stronger um, bonds within the various different molecules and, and atoms within the, the structure that holds it together. So when it's mixed with water, it doesn't break down. Okay. But not all of them. I like that. Some of them now you will still get a certain amount of acid combined with water. That's Bad what idea. sulfuric acid is, guys. It's fine in my there stomach, some... but the rest of it, thanks, I'll pass. <laughs> but our, our stomachs does not have sulfuric acid, though. Our stomachs are hydrochloric acid. Okay. So it's a bit different. It's a different type of acid, again. We don't okay. need sulfur in our bodies. Then I'll keep the stomach in really? my acid and the rest of it can take a long walk off a short plank. <laughs> That sounds like an idea to me. All right. When I was talking to some other people about this idea, because I have to admit, it was an ultimate clickbait. When I saw this dimming the sun, I just had to read through the articles because my my writer brain, my scientist brain just went sci-fi glorious modes. And it's like, are we going to be injecting that bomb or something into the sun? And and are we going to physically be somehow dimming the actual sun? I, I just, I couldn't fathom the ideas without reading the articles. I had to read those articles, ultimate clickbait. But I was talking to some other people about this. And I said, you know, I mentioned these ideas. And the first thing that came to their minds was the cane toads in Australia. Okay. What's a cane toad in Australia got to do with dimming the sun? I mean, granted. Okay. 90% of the stuff in Australia wants to kill you or eat you anyway. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, the stuff in the outback, okay. that's for sure. Okay. Well, the cane toad is a toad. It's a particular type of toad. They are native to South America and Central America. Okay. In 1935, the Bureau of Sugar export stations, which is now known as the Sugar Research Australia, decided it would be a smart idea to introduce cane toads to Australia to combat the native greyback cane beetle. The greyback cane beetle was eating the sugarcane crop. It was destroying sugarcane, and they wanted to find a way to 
deal with this. They didn't want to use pesticides if they can avoid it. They wanted to avoid those chemical methods. And they had um, the prickly pears. They had introduced a moth um, to control prickly pears in Australia as well. And they had great success with this. So somewhere along the line, they decided, let's introduce cane toads. Yeah. Wow. Well, I the mean, cane my, toad population. my cat will take out a moth. Most kitty will happily yeah. take on Mr. Moth. He likes chasing them. The running joke around here okay. is, oh, there goes the neighborhood. The cat found a bug. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Cane toads are poisonous. They have a toxin that basically attacks the cardiovascular system in mammals. And you can be, as a human, exposed to a cane toad and die. Okay, then I definitely don't want those things and I don't want host kitty near those things. Host kitty, we're not going to Australia. What makes it worse is that the cane toads are breeding out of control. Oh, bad news. They, They, according to the reports that I'm looking at, in the 1935, they only introduced in the order of about 100 toads. They reproduced so fast that they now have over 200 million cane toads. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot, a lot. That's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's they, the long-term effects on the, the, the system and the ecology, has, it's, it's devastating because you'll get the native wildlife will go to eat these cane toads and die. They can't cope. There are no natural predators of cane toads in Australia. Remember, these things are native to South and Central America. I'm sorry. Yeah. Central America is rainforest. Central America is not Australia. (laughs) It's rainforest. (laughs) There's no way there would be a natural predator in desert when they come from rainforest. And as I was doing a bit more research on the cane toad, because I was looking at this going, oh man, this is just nasty what they've done. Obviously, Australia's got a really, really bad outbreak of it as well. But they've introduced cane toads roughly at about the same time. They introduced cane toads in a variety of different locations around the world, including in Florida and Hawaii. Okay, so these things are everywhere, not just Australia. Yeah, these things are everywhere. They are deadly. They are very toxic things. But here's the thing. In Australia, the infestation of cane toads has gotten so bad that the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission actually recommends that residents kill them. Okay, so... Florida doesn't like them at all, clearly. They are clearly not welcome at Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah, no. Definitely not Disney World. (laughs) Well, whatever one's in Florida. Sorry, never been to any of them, folks. Yes, I know. Amazing shock, but I've never been to any Disney anything. You're not the only one, so shh. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, and and if they're out of control in Hawaii as well, and he's just like, if you, if we've done this, we've done this whole concept of we had a problem, we need to figure out how to solve it. Let's do something without necessarily thinking this through to the end. They had yeah. a problem with the sugar cane. They couldn't, they, their beetles were eating, the cane beetles were eating their sugar cane crop. They needed to come up with a way to solve it. They didn't think about natural predators. These toads are naturally occurring, but not in Australia, not in Florida, not in Hawaii. Yeah. So you want to bring something that has no natural predators to your shores on an island nation to handle a problem that, no offense, a bug spray probably could have dealt with. And I know you don't want the pesticides, but there's got to be an herbicide that would have done the job without leaving you with toads. Cane toads. Yeah, there's got to have been, there had to have been something that they could have done. And, and that's the thing. So coming back to this dimming of the sun, in my opinion, injecting sulfates into the atmosphere is not going to solve the problem. It is all it is going to achieve. It is going to change one set of problems for another. And we're probably still going to have the coral reefs dying on us. Okay, then. So it's not really going to do any good. I don't think it's going to do any good whatsoever because the main problem revolving around the the coral reefs dying is the fact that we have surface temperature increasing and the acidity levels of the oceans are changing as well. It's two problems. It's not just the temperature. You've got to think of something else, guys. This is not going to work. And I think... I got an idea, Doc. Install the world's largest ice maker in the ocean. Oh, no, don't do that. Because I'll tell you what. There are some other scientists who are also involved with the coral reefs and who are also wanting to look at the coral reefs. They have suggested that instead of injecting sulfates into the atmosphere, that we inject and distribute some other chemical into the oceans to counteract the carbon dioxide absorption. Yeah, just set up the world's largest ice maker. (laughs) I like my idea better. Okay, we won't go there. I'll just let you have your ice maker and we won't give you. <laughs> you know me, Doc. I've always got to throw some humor in there somewhere. I know, but no, we're not going to go there. <laughs> no, it's not a serious idea. No. I mean, you know okay. my level of science, so. Doc. That's why I do this show with you. <laughs> okay, so do you understand that what dimming, if I say dimming in the sun now, you know what I mean? Yes. Bad idea. <laughs> the bad idea fairy has come to town and needs to go away. Yes, I definitely think so. The coral reefs? Yes, we've got to do something. Yes, we've got to save them. But there's got to be another way. It really has to be. I agree. There's got to be some way that, yeah, like I said, there's got to be a I way. I don't want to be drinking sulfate. I don't think anybody does, Doc. Except maybe this guy. And fine, he's a scientist. Get your own sulfate and go drink it. (laughs) In fact, it was actually suggested. One of my writing buddies had actually suggested this idea. How about 
we create a little habitat for him where he can do all his experiments he wants, inject the sulfates into the atmosphere for his self-contained environment, and then he can see what effect it does to him and whether he survives the experiments and things that he wants to do. Sounds like a winner! Score! (laughs) Whatever writer came up with that one, good idea. Good idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's the whole concept behind this. It's just, no, it's got to go. It's got to go. It's just right, a Jess. Bad do you idea. have any questions about the coral reefs, about the sulfates, water cycle, cane toad? I mean, so where? I mean, I know we only have about ten minutes left. About well, actually, about five minutes left, Doc. But where are these coral toads originally found? And where are there the places? cane toads? Yeah, the cane toads. Sorry, I'm confusing coral reefs and cane toads. <laughs> You got me all co- coral toads up. Yeah, mm. coral. coral toads, right. I wonder what sort of species that would look like. Coral toads. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Cane no. toads, they come from, they originate, they're naturally found in Central America and um, South America, the upper, the upper sides um, part of, of South America. That you can find them naturally in the southern parts of texas so they do have some natural predators yeah there are some natural predators in the central in in southern in the very south part of texas for these cane toads and that's probably where they got the original crop of cane toads from in the 1930s was probably south texas um from what i understand most of them now are coming from (laughs) Hawaii, but I think Hawaii is trying to get rid of them. So. <laughs> now, has has the ecology in Australia adapted so that there's any natural anything in Australia that's actually started taking on these beasts? There is. Um, I found an article that was a few years old now, and it was talking about meat ants. It's they're a type of ant that basically just eat they're basically like killer ants basically and they just eat whatever they can find and they because the neuro because the toxin that the cane toad produces goes after the cardiovascular system and because ants don't have a cardiovascular system not in the same way that mammals do the ants are actually immune to the toxin that the cane toads have. So these ants are now going after the cane toads. The problem is, though, is that to create, to have enough of these ants to to deal with the population of cane toads, they would have to breed the ants. Well, that's so not a good not, idea There's either. a natural level of population to cope with these with the cane toads, not on the current population scale of the cane toads. And that to me doesn't sound like a very good idea. No, because now we're again talking substituting problem A for problem B. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's exactly it. I mean, you can't keep going. We have a problem. We need to solve it. Oh no, now we've got this other problem. Yeah, no, we, we can't keep doing that. You have to stop and we have to think about where we're going to go and what we're going to do. Take steps. Think through logically. But I, 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 I will have to admit 
that if I was in Australia and I had a cane toad problem and I knew the ants five towns over were going to help me, me and my ant farm would be over there. <laughs> hey, small scale. I mean, yeah, I didn't... but would you really want to be breeding killer ants? <laughs> On a tiny scale, maybe. Hey, I've been told my cat could be an ecological disaster turned loose because he's a house cat. But he's not going to reproduce out of control because, well, I did the responsible cat owner thing and he's fixed. So he can sow his non-existent wild oats. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, okay, I can see me doing it. You, you know me, Doc. I, me and my aunt farm would be on over there going, yeah, give me 20, 30 of these buggers. I mean, 20 or 30,000. <laughs> no, just for my place. Yeah. 20 or 30,000. You're talking ants, darling. Ants. 20 or 30 is not going to get you very far. No, but it's enough to start a colony. 20 or 30 to start a colony? No, no, right, no. A couple I think hundred. You're still talking in the order of thousands. <laughs> okay, then. But yeah, me and my ant farm would have to go find some of these things if I really needed them, which thankfully I don't. Yeah. Because, like I said, half the stuff in Australia is either trying to eat you or kill you. That's why they actually sell snake bite insurance to tourists. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how I found out about the snake bite insurance? And you're going to laugh. Okay. Tell me. Because I've never been to Australia. Uh, when President Obama went there, they presented him with one of these tourist trap insurance policies. And I, was, I just had to laugh. Okay. <laughs> I'd never heard of I it before. one way. I'd never heard of it before and or since, but yeah, evidently they they are sold to tourists. Actually, there is some kind of actual insurance behind it, but the funny thing is, is you know, they you present a framed one to the president and it's going to make the news. Of course. All right, Doc. Of course. I think we're about out of time. I think we are. So, I will see you all guys next time. Bye, Doc. Well, that brings us to an end of another Conversations in Science. If you have any questions about science and about some of the world around us, feel free to drop me a line. I'm on Twitter, and you can find me at Judy L. Moore. Or you can look me up on Facebook, Judy L. Moore. Or you can drop me a line on my personal website, JudyLMoore.com. I think you're seeing the pattern here. Then, of course, if you are interested in some of the other projects I do, which is the writing and editing, feel free to check me out on blackwolfeditorial.com. But then, of course, don't forget, if you are wanting more information about the science, you can also contact us at the station with the email of science at klrnradio.com. Then, of course, there's my cohort that keeps going through and popping up. You mean me, Doc? Well, for anybody who wants to track me down... You can find me on Twitter at Jesse's POV. And you can also drop me a line at the station at Jesse's POV at KLRNRadio.com. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>